0: Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Covira Insights, where we talk to industry leaders on how to manage your personal finances better. Today we have two very special guests with us. Uh, we have uh, Kalpen, who's the president of DSP Investment Managers. Um, he has over two decades of experience in finance and asset management at IDFC, Aditya Sun Life, and ICICI. Um, Kalpen is passionate about investor behavior and how it affects investment experience for individuals. He holds a Master's in Management Studies in Finance from Narsi Monji Institute of Management. Welcome, Kalpen. Thank you. We also have Kaizad with us, uh, who also has about 20 years of experience in journalism. So he writes stories about investors, investing behavior, um, what people do with their money. Started his career in 2000 with Intelligent That's Investor, uh, which became Outlook Money. He's uh, worked with Outlook Money for nine and a half years, then with Mint for nine years, and now heads personal finance at Money Control. Like I said, he's a personal finance storyteller and uh, uh, loves writing stories about investors and how they manage their money. Welcome, Kaisat, to
1: uh, Career Insights. Hi, Gaurav. Thank you for having me here.
0: Sure. So today what we want to discuss is uh, short-term savings, right? Like um, short-term savings, goals, short-term savings, emergency funds. Uh, how, do, how does someone plan for... Um, short-term, near-term expenses, planned or unplanned, and what's the best way to go about doing that. Let's start uh, with you, Kalpin. Um, how does one create... First of all, like let's, let's talk about habits, right? I mean, you, you like behavioral finance. So how does one create a short-term saving habit? And what are some of the behaviors that you think an individual should watch out for uh, that prevents us from saving more, right? Because uh, effectively... Saving is long-term expenses today. Uh, how how does one balance that?
2: Okay, so I think uh, more than you know the instruments that help us save. Uh, I think India has a plethora of instruments. Uh, mutual funds have a plethora of products, but that's uh, secondary. More important is to uh, first of all, primarily re- realize the value of saving and what it can do to our lives. Uh, you know, ironically, Indians generally have been one of the highest saving. Uh, race uh, in the world. You know, our savings rates uh, used to be around 30%. They've been coming down in recent times. But they would save 30% of their uh, uh, annual uh, or monthly income. But the mode of saving uh, continues to remain inefficient. Uh, Money remains uh, either in the home or it remains in uh, current account or savings account of banks uh, uh, which which don't necessarily earn the best of returns. And uh, I'll share some of my personal experiences which, uh, you know, created that thought in my mind to take savings to a very different extreme or to a very different fanaticism uh, one may call me you know very stingy but so be it uh, when i read uh, about uh, warren Buffet's uh, comment uh, he made a statement and then he's one of the uh, you know most uh, ideal role model investors who has invested for 90 years of his life eight, uh, 79 years in his life he's 90 years of age uh, he's been investing for 79 and sometime right. back he made a comment that I started my first investment at the age of 11 and I repent that I was 11 years late. Now, what does that statement mean? That statement means that he's the biggest Banya of the world, where he says that even for one day, I don't want my money not to compound. So the day I'm born, I wish I had started my money. Uh, I had let my money compound because those 11 years also would have meant his current wealth could have been another one and a half times. So, times. So look at it differently had he started only 10 years later instead of 11 he had started at 21 his current pool of wealth would have been lesser by half now this is the magic of a concept or a variable called time we underestimate the role of time in our um, you know outcomes on investment and here we bring here let me bring mathematics uh, right. I uh, teach this to my son also that you know kitabe kita you'll learn algebra geometry was you know, Even I have learned but that's not really helped me uh, in my job. But one yeah. principle you learn is, is the meaning of the formula of compounding. So everyone knows how to write amount is principle 1 plus R by 100 raised to the power of T. But, but the real cube light is what is the value of T. So there are three variables P, R and T. P is what we can bring to the table which is how much can I save every month. R is what the market will give to us. Uh, which is not in our in our control. It's a function of our behavior, our discipline and, and where we invest and how markets behave. And trust right. me, markets have uh, massive variability. Uh, and then the third variable is time. Now, what is the mathematical operating uh, uh, number before that variable? With P, it is multiplication. With R, it is addition. It is plus R. With T, is raised to the power of. Now, between plus, multiply and raised to the power of, the highest impact. Uh, from an effect point of view, is raised to the power of. Uh, And that is why time becomes the most uh, important variable. Now, you connect the concept what I mentioned about how Warren Buffett thinks and what the exponentiality of time can do to your money. So, now that brings me to the third dimension. That why should my money remain in a bank account at suboptimal rates, even for a single day? So, the day we get our salaries, I'm very clear that, uh, you know, first of all, pay your rent, pay whatever expenses have to be taken care of. And then immediately the money should get transferred into any of my mutual fund scheme, depending on what my asset allocation is, because it starts the meter of compounding on a real time basis. Now, everything that I've told you so far is very rational and rationality does not move human beings. Uh, um, Investing outcomes are good if we are rational, but to make someone invest, we have to be emotional. If we tell any customer. That you should save, you should start early. All these are, these are all jargons, start early and all that. You know, We've been talking, but that does not move people to start early. Now, if you tell every customer, and I'm saying this to all of you who are looking, uh, you know, are watching this video. That take out um, a 5 rupee coin or a 1 rupee coin from your wallet and just throw it in the dustbin. Will you be able to do it? Will anyone be able to do it? Now, the loss is only 1 rupee. Uh, so, if you put it away on a, in the dustbin or just throw it out you going to lose only one rupee. But we don't do that. Because we respect money as per our culture. But I want to make a comment that we actually don't respect money. Because that one rupee remaining in wallet also is as good as nothing. Because you're not letting it grow and compound. And hence, I want to say that, uh, you know, respect even that one rupee which is lying in your pocket. Uh, let it not lie in your pocket. Let it not lie in your piggy bank. It was okay in old days when uh, savings, uh, uh, knowledge, is, uh, knowledge was less. Savings instruments were not easily available. We didn't have platforms like Kuvera where I can just press two buttons and you know, start saving money. Those cho- choices were not there. But today there is no reason to feel uh, that I can't start. So I think th- this is a backdrop with which I would say that savings means uh, you know giving time to your money. And the moment we give time to our money, market will give money to our money. Uh, it's a very simple equation.
0: I think two really, really important points there. One is that um, in your compounding formula, time is the most important aspect and I think I 100% agree. The second point though I, th- I think is even more profound, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, in economics there's this concept of what is seen and what is not seen. So when you have money in your pocket, you're like, I'm not going to spend it because you can see it, you can touch it, you can feel it, so there is a sense of loss associated with it. But if you don't invest that money, that money doesn't grow at the rate at it which it can grow. That is an unseen loss. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can't, And that I think that that's a very strong point because what happens is most of our decisions are driven by what we can see. So we are naturally, in some sense, not the most. You know, Indians are not like you know we, we're not spending crazily on, on, on random stuff. Uh, but I'll, uh, I'll I'll continue this point with you know with, with Kaiser. Do you think that the millennial population somehow is changing though? Uh, are they also looking at savings from the same lenses? Or are they more focused on, you know, EMI-driven goal fulfillment? Uh, you know, there, there, there's, there's so many ways of, um, um, of getting things now and here. So are they also kind of thinking about savings from the same lenses? Or are they more about, hey, let me enjoy life. You know, I have uh, a long time to live and then I'll have enough time to save later.
1: Yeah, so I think uh, millennials don't really, uh, you know, mirror the kind of uh, savings habits that our parents and forefathers had to sort of, you know, keep something away for a rainy day. Uh, You know, most of them uh, in my experience and in my observation, I've seen that, you know, they are more interested in spending because, you know, today, uh, uh, you know, that culture is there, that financial freedom. When you get your first salary, you get to do so many things that you weren't able to do before. So the propensity to spend money, the propensity to buy new stuff or plan to buy new stuff, let's say two years, three years, four years down the line um uh is more rather than you know st- trying to save uh, today something for a rainy day you know we always tell people to start uh, an emergency corpus it's as simple as that okay so the uh you know we really have to explain to them uh, the necessity of starting an emergency corpus and having an emergency corpus or having a health insurance first in your health plan before you actually think about uh, uh you know buying planning to buy stuff or planning to even invest also and even when it comes to investing also even if they decide the small population of millennials, even if they say that okay we want to invest um, the expectations are very high from investments. Okay? You know how um, the millennials have entered the stock markets in the last three months. Okay? Many new investors have also uh, entered and they're buying directly equities. But how many of them would have had a health insurance policy in place? How many do they have an, insure, uh, you know, an emergency corpus in place? So that's the question. So yes, the pattern of savings uh, among millennials has definitely changed and um, um, sadly it's it's more about uh, consumerism first and then savings later rather than the other way around and um, whenever we talk about savings in millennials in my observation they always say they, you know our salaries are not big enough so you know where are we going to save we have to pay rent so that is of course a fact i mean of course it's a fact i'm not saying that it's not a fact and obviously the standard of living is very high if you live in a city like mumbai or delhi you have to obviously pay your rent right Otherwise, you go two hours away and uh, spend all that time traveling and all that. So, um, you know, uh, uh, the, uh, the disposable income left to save obviously is a little less. But then, you know, again, we try and tell them that, you know, it's not you know, for savings. You don't need to have 20,000, 30,000 set aside every month. You can even save at 500 a month. You can even save two 1,000 a month, at least 500. So you can save. Uh, you, 500 looks like a very small amount now but at least you know if you have a habit of saving 500 now hopefully in the next year you will get an increment you increase that to 1000 and the year after that you increase 1500 to 2000 when you see some your money is being made when you see your money multiply that's when they get uh, uh, a little bit more encouragement to invest but you have to make that first step and I don't see many millennials uh, really taking that first step and trying to you know set aside some money for a rainy day, but it's very very important. With even five hundred. It, it reminds even... me of.
0: Uh, it, it reminds me of. I think it was an article in the New York Times or somewhere. And I think that there was a follow-up story in India as well, where they where they talk, talked about um, how um, there's also this whole concept of keeping up with the journalists and the younger population. So even though they don't have the money, they have to pretend that they can afford the bars, they can afford the drinks, they can afford all the you know uh, the, the the latest phone and so on and so forth. Even mm-hmm. though it means that uh, on weekends you're home eating Maggie. Um, and it, it was it was also quite quite powerful because there's this social construct around uh, you know living your life today and uh, tomorrow doesn't matter, and all of that kind of feeds into this whole sense of that you have to be seen as if you're uh, enjoying the life to the fullest, and that means yeah. that uh, you you're you're kind of um, uh, uh, spending like some of maybe yeah. your richer friends
1: can afford to spend. So, it's, so it's God, a, I'll I'll just add one more oh, sure. small point over here. Is that um, uh, you know while the general millennial population I feel can do a lot more when it comes to savings. Uh, you know, when they go through some tough situations like a job loss, for instance, many people have gone through job losses in these COVID times. Yeah. Um, I We did a story uh, in money control a few months ago when Jet Airways, uh, when it was first year, one, the you know, the first uh, one year after Jet Airways had folded up last year. And we got in touch with uh, quite a few people who had lost jobs in Jet Airways. And, you know, the kind of um, lifestyle that they were accustomed to when they when the airline was there, and when the jobs were um, alive and kicking, and then suddenly the kind of, uh, uh, you know, the financial strain that hit them hit many of them. So uh, I mean, I, I, I've spoken to, uh, I spoke, I spoke to a few 20 year olds, 20, 22 year olds over a cabin crew at Jet Airways. And surprisingly, uh, it did occur to them later, that, uh, you know, you need to have an emergency corpus, you need to plan for these, uh, you know, the importance of savings, it really dawned upon them. And I'm glad to, I was glad to report that at least some of many of them, in fact, who i had spoken to, uh, for this story, they had, they said that, you know, they are on their way now to, uh, I mean, some of them have a health insurance policy. So that was good to know. Um, many of them had also started saving a little bit more. So they were sensitized to the importance of having savings in their lives. But unfortunately, the reality hit upon them when they went through that tough phase.
0: I mean, we, we do see. I mean, even even on uh, you know uh, and globally also and in India also, like when we look at our data, and trigger points do change your behavior. Yes, uh, people will say, I don't believe in planning goals. I don't believe in goal planning, and they will have a kid and kid's education, retirement. All the goals are added. We we, we yeah. can even like we we don't we don't send them you know congratulation messages, but we actually have we, we can predict to a very good accuracy when someone has had a kid based on how the dna It's and, and i think uh, to your point right it's uh, some of that uh, some of that understanding after the fact while it's really really important because i think it's not just that they will learn this lesson and they will go and talk to their friends about it, right and, and and such stories will get written about such stories will be read um, and people do learn from others' experience, and, uh, and I do strongly believe in that. Uh, there's a lot of power in bringing this in the in in, uh, in the attention of as many people as possible, because maybe they had to go through um, an event to realize that this is important. But others can learn and say that, oh, you know what? Maybe I should do it before I go through uh, a probably a very adverse event, and then realize that hey, I should I would have been better off having a. Uh, 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 an emergency corpus or something like that, right? So, um, I mean, coming coming back to, you know, to the mutual fund space, uh, Kalpen, what are the avenues available for Indians for short-term savings, right? And, and how do they compare? I mean, how do they? What are the traditional options? What are some of the newer options available? Uh, what should people keep in mind um, when they are, you know, saving for uh, uh, for emergencies or for short-term purposes?
2: So, you know, when you're saving for uh, very short term time horizons, uh, it's important to keep in mind that you're saving to stay away from uncertainty Hence, your saving instruments should have reasonably high amount of certainty or predictability. And that largely comes from uh, fixed income instruments, especially fixed income instruments, which do not have credit risk or uh, interest rate risk, which is largely fixed income instruments which have very short maturities. So uh, if I have to, you know, they're not. Truly comparable, but if we say that what is our current saving pattern generally, uh, money is lying in our current account. Uh, uh, A product which can uh, give you the same uh, liquidity within one day uh, without virtually any risk is an overnight fund uh, that mutual funds have. Then the second step in in the banking world uh, is, uh, let's say, savings accounts. Uh, So, savings account means you keep money there for a few days, few weeks, or a month or two till the time you need to take that money back. So, there are uh, options uh, uh, like uh, the liquid fund, which can uh, fulfill that type of need. That, okay, I, I want to you know, pay my uh, uh, annual fee for my son's uh, uh, school. And let's say that fee has to be paid in uh, you know, the month of October. Today, we are on 11th, 11th of September. So, I still have 20 days. So, I can park it in the liquid fund. And uh, I can take it out within uh, 24 hours, whenever I need it, for that fee payment. So, so that's the second instrument. Then you have uh, three months, six months, one year fixed deposits, for example, where again, some investors would say that, okay, since I know I have visibility for three months, six months or one year, I don't want to let it be in savings account. I will keep it in a short term deposit. So mutual funds again have uh, products like uh, the ultra short term fund or the low duration fund, which are meant for three months to one year sort of time horizon. You have money for three to six months, six months to one year, uh, money is parked. This money is invested across diverse set of uh, debt instruments and uh, it allows you uh, to take money back within 24 hours so there's extreme flexibility there is uh, extreme liquidity you have transparency you know what your portfolios are every month and if you want to invest and the most important thing which uh, which I think is highly underappreciated is uh, uh, is uh, that you know I call uh, all these products uh, uh, you know the diversification across 10 15 20 instruments uh, uh, you know ensures that the risk is also spread out. So versus investing in just one bond or one deposit where you're taking completely the risk of one bank or one institution or one organization. Typically these funds or fund vehicles or schemes diversify across 8, 10, 15, 20 instruments. So even if something goes wrong and one should always assume that something can go wrong someday in life, the money is reasonably diversified. And diversification is a huge virtue when it comes to our hard and money. So there is a range of products which are available from the fund industry platform. And um, what happens is, I'll give you my own example that, you know, uh, let's say I have now spent 22 years in my uh, corporate career, so over time my salaries have grown, my corpus has grown. Uh, let's say I had started on day one, you know, uh, uh, it's my younger sister who, who has just passed out of college and uh, got a job and she's starting to build her corpus. I would say start with the liquid fund first. Uh, but today in my case, because I already have an asset allocation over 20 years, uh, I have uh, my 40%, which is always in fixed income, uh, is through short-term funds. Now, uh, Short-term funds basically invest in two-year, three-year corporate bonds. So for me, the money which has been in the short-term fund for the last many, many years is actually money at tap. Is money which I can take it out tomorrow also. So tomorrow if I need money, today before the cut-off time, I have to just press a button on your app and tomorrow my account will be funded. So these are very uh, efficient, tax-efficient instruments uh, which allow you to earn returns till the day your money is there with me. Uh, so if your money, you initially wanted it as a three-month three, year, three month deposit, but you ended up keeping it for not just 90 days, but, but for 170 days. Your money earns for each of those 107 days. And uh, you you know, you can uh, take advantage. And for some reason, if you end up letting this money remain for three years, uh, you take out only part of it and the other part remains for three years, it gets, the, it gets a huge benefit of indexation. So effective tax uh, that you pay comes down. So versus deposits where tax rates are, uh, you know, uh, your marginal tax rate uh, mutual funds allow some amount of tax flexibility tax efficiency also uh, for example uh, in the month of march uh, a lot of our equity portfolios were down 40% i could have you know booked some i i had short term losses uh, those short term losses can be offset against the short term gains that uh, some of these money market funds or liquid funds have so again it helps in optimizing and lastly uh, a very important point is see india uh, barring the last couple of uh, months Generally, is a country with high interest rates. Uh, so, uh, you know, and our yield curve is steep. It's a slightly complex uh, concept. But it means that if you keep money in a one-day instrument, you earn X percentage. But if you keep money in a one-year instrument, just that difference, the gap, we call it the term spread, the time spread, is sometimes as high as uh, 0.5 to 1.5%. So by just buying a one-year instrument, you're getting another 1% excess spread over your money lying idle. So, uh, because of the uh, the steepness of the yield curve, your money can earn significantly more efficient uh, returns, and that compounded over time can be large. Now, I'll just show you. This is a visiting card that everyone in DSP has. Uh, so, right. what it, it says is that you know every one rupee invested in a savings account or in a fixed deposit or in a debt fund or any. Can you raise fund. it a
0: little bit so we can actually? Yeah. yeah.
2: So, every one rupee over time, what is the value now? The real value of see the value of one rupee today is very less. It's only one rupee. But the value of one rupee, the value of one rupee changes as time. So, you know, when you see over seven years, fifteen years, and over twenty years, the value of one rupee actually becomes three point two rupees. So at at even a six percent rate of compounding. So even if this compounds at just six percent, which is your savings account, today a lot of banks give you. As when, the and the card. Uh, so,
0: sorry to interrupt. Yeah. That's the coolest business sure. card I've ever seen,
2: and another point is while i represent a mutual fund and while we represent mutual fund products but today a lot of uh, you know younger banks in the quest to add a lot of customers are also offering 6 to 7% uh, rate of return uh, on uh, a savings account so that's a very attractive rate of return uh, in uh, in today's environment where overall interest rates are coming down so there are uh, definitely a lot of options investors have smart options in the banking industry and smart options in the fund industry as well but the bigger point is, let the money not remain idle, uh, let the money earn something uh, every day. And the last uh, you know, uh, data point I would add is uh, how to inculcate this habit uh, is, is something very important. Now, like we have seen our parents uh, when we were growing up and you know, a lot of us come from uh, middle class roots uh, that, you know, they'll say that, okay, if you have to go from one place to another place, which is just one kilometer away, let's not take an auto uh, because auto will cost us eight rupees or 12 rupees in those days. Let's walk good for health and we'll save money. So that inculcates that habit. But today, uh, probably we all have cars. So our kids don't, uh, you know, think like that. If they have to go from one building to five buildings away, also they will say car. So how do you really bring in those uh, savings uh, mechanisms in conversations, in day-to-day conversations? So something that I have learned is uh, is a concept called birthday SIP. So my son's birthday is on uh, the 10th of October. So I have said that, you know, I'm going to give you 5,000 rupees because not on, on your birthday, because that would be just one day in a year, but I love you 12 times more, so every month on 10th, I'll give you 5,000 rupees in your account. The money will first come into your account free of cost. And then that money goes into an SIP. Now that SIP can be a liquid fund, it can be an equity fund if you want to save for a longer period of time, but since the discussion is about savings. Uh, that So, he's been doing this birthday SIP for now 3 years. So first 6 months 9 months it didn't matter to him because how does he care at, at, at an age of 9 years he doesn't even bother about it but over time when you get an auto debit message showing that you have got 5000 rupees you have got so many units you start you can start having these conversations to say that see your units are growing now sometime around 11th of every month he'll just come and ask me that uh, kitna units are. so the mind has started getting wired and uh, then and i have given him this rule that 1 rupee spent today is equal to 2 rupees 10 years down the line. Let's say you take the rule of 70 to divide by 7% rate of return very conservatively. So debt equity combination may give you 7% in the next many years. So every 10 years the money is going to double. So if you want to buy the 6th cricket bat, you already have 5. And you are not getting time to use those 5 also. But you want to buy the 6th one uh, which is going to cost you 1200 rupees. That 1200 is 1200 today. But 10 years down the line it is going to be 2400. So keep that in mind. So, I think every opportunity to sensibly uh, bring in uh, concepts of, uh, you know, value of money, value of time uh, can inculcate that habit uh, to, to uh, you know, in our uh, young generation so that as they uh, grow, they are ready uh, in the real world to respect money a lot more than what perhaps happens today.
0: Very, very, very fair. I think uh, especially the, the, you know, the stories about how you are kind of, uh, passing on the same learnings to your son. That's, uh, that's pretty amazing. Uh, but but, Kaisat, what are some of the risks there? I mean, you know, uh, FDs, um, different banks give 3% to 7% on savings account. FD rates vary all over the place. Um, liquid funds, are a much tighter group. Their the returns don't, um, uh, die, uh, they, they don't diverge a lot uh, from one liquid fund to others. But uh, what, what are
1: some of the risks that people should be aware of? I mean, uh, this, this is not free money, is it? Correct. So, um, first of all, you know, before we start talking about risks, uh, I think one thing we need to uh, keep in mind is that uh, savings, short-term savings or, or short-term goals are different from an emergency corpus. Okay, let's not mix the two. Your emergency corpus is something that needs to be there with you. It's like your six-month... Um, uh, living expenses or one year living expenses, uh, depending on how conservative you want to be. But uh, those should always be there with you at all times, whether you have a job or you don't have a job and that should not be touched. So your first priority is to build your emergency corpus, have that with you. Okay. Then you start planning for your short term goals and short term goals to meet your short term goals. You should never dip into your emergency corpus because emergency corpus are not meant for your short term goals. So your short term goals is another corpus that you need to build over and above your emergency corpus. Short term goals could be anything. I mean, you want to buy a house or you want to buy a car or you want to have a foreign holiday or, you know, you're planning for foreign education for your children a couple of years down the line, if you haven't already done that, but those are your short term goals. You should never touch your emergency corpus. Right. So um, having distinguished the two, when you are talking about your short term goals, something uh, planning, let's say one and a half years or 20 months or um, 24 months or even 36 months down the line. um, Three things you have to keep in mind. One is obviously your risk to your capital. Okay, you have time is against you you don't have time on your side when you invest in an equity fund on the other hand uh for a goal that is five years or 10 years or 15 years over you have time on your side which is why you can afford to keep your money in an equity fund and just forget about it for a few years but here, time is not on your side time is of the essence you have just 12 months or 20 months or 24 months Uh, to go for your goal so you cannot uh, afford to sort of take too much of risk you can't afford to put your capital at risk okay that is uh, a rule that is there at all points in time and especially if you are investing in these kind of times in these markets okay where you know the economy is down you don't know what's going to happen you don't know when our economy is going to come back risk is all that more uh, profound so you need to be all that more careful when you're selecting a short-term goal if you're starting to plan right now um, for instance, uh, I, I, I would uh, be a lot conservative and say that, you know, uh, stick to bank FDs if you really don't want to take any risk. It's okay if, you know, uh, you're sacrificing a few um, percent point returns here and there uh, vis-a-vis, let's say, an ultra short-term bond fund or a low short-term bond fund. But if you really can't, um, if, if your gold is really not that far away. Um, why to unnecessarily take risk and invest in a liquid fund or even in a short term bond fund if you really can't decipher one fund from the other as far as intricacies of portfolios are concerned? You put it in a fixed deposit and forget about it. At least your principal is safe. So that's the other thing. The third thing, uh, Goro, I would say that um, be realistic in your short term goals, right? Uh, because And again, time is not on your side. And because you have something coming up in the next 20 months or next 24 months or next 36 months, and I'm defining these tenures as a typical short term goal, you can't afford to be uh, aiming too high in terms of what you want to do in terms of your aspirations, in terms of your wish list, and then expect to just set aside 5000 or 500 or 1000 rupees every month and expect to reach your goal. You have to be a little bit realistic. Okay, so for example, you can say that, you know, I want to buy a house in the next three years. But do you think that by investing five thousand or five hundred rupees every month, you'll be able to afford even a down payment down payment in a metro city might involve like 20 lakhs or so. So where are you going to uh, uh, gather that kind of a money? So obviously, uh, uh, risk is very important. Realistic goals are also very important. And I think you need to have a little bit of a head start if your uh, goals are you know very big so do you have a lump sum copper so do you have a bonus coming in which you can really set aside uh, to give you a push and then maybe you, you know you can do a recurring deposit or if you want to invest in a liquid fund you can you know start an sip over there but risk is very important capital is very important and so my preference would be more towards bank fts first especially if you're in the lower tax brackets. Uh, but even if you're in a higher tax bracket, if you don't want to take any risk, you put it aside in the bank if the end. Then you see, you calibrate your uh, time horizon with your final goal and see if your planning is re- really realistic or not.
2: I think the larger point that uh, uh, Keizad is saying, uh, which I tend to agree with him, even though you know it may be against the mutual fund uh, segment, is that uh, you don't have the luxury of... Uh, uh, you know, any time delay, it's like I have an exam uh, tomorrow at 12 o'clock. I have to like a clockwork reach there. The degree of predictability uh, to a large extent so far is higher with uh, good quality banks. Uh, because you know that, you know, my hundred rupees will get a finite return of 3%, 4%, 5%. A mutual fund may give perhaps 5.5 or 5 so, but there could be few days where instead of 5.5, 5, it may give 5.1 or 4.8. Uh, and if you end up being unlucky on that day, when you have your exam and you don't reach on time. So that luxury is not there. So depending on the urgency of goals, one can have a mix of both. Uh, Personally, I, depending on my life cycle and, you know, my way of planning, uh, because I understand the domain very well, Liquid Fund becomes my go-to choice or my first choice because I know how it works. I know the risk in it, Uh, but to a person who really doesn't understand, start first by, you know, at least moving money out of a low earning instrument into a better earning instrument and then learn. And then, you know, talk to people like you uh, learn on your platform, what are the various options and then gradually take the journey forward.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. One, uh, one, question that we get quite often is about arbitrage funds. A lot of people use arbitrage funds for yes. parking their money on the short term and coming. We can get your views on the same, as
2: yeah. well. is that a good option? It's a brilliant option as of now, uh, provided you have money for, uh, months and above because uh, see, arbitrage fund uses equity instruments to deliver fixed income type of safer returns Uh, it is nothing but the interest rate of the equity market so uh, uh, in a very uh, simple way arbitrage fund is nothing but the difference between the price of the stock today and the price of its future one month later but uh, settled today itself so you're not taking any open risk or any market risk generally these spreads Uh, are uh, benchmarked to the levels of interest rates in the industry. So if the interest rates in bond markets come down, these spreads also come down and vice versa, at large. The only advantage, so more or less the return should be similar. So if liquid funds today earn 3.5% return, uh, you know, we did our monthly rollover in the arbitrage fund uh, on September, on on August end, which got rolled over also at around 3.4%. So the spreads are more or less the same. The only difference is uh, fixed income funds are taxed at, Our marginal tax rate. So in my case, my marginal tax rate is the highest tax bracket, 35 or whatever that number is. But when it comes to arbitrage funds, uh, I get the short-term gains are taxed at uh, 15%, which is similar to the equity taxation, because the instruments used to run arbitrage are equity instruments. So the beauty of arbitrage is broad top-line returns, same as fixed income, but post-tax returns better than fixed income. Now, what is the catch? You need to park your money for minimum. Two to three months. Uh, so it's not a repeat. Why do you say that, Karpen?
0: Why do you say two to three months?
2: I mean, yeah, uh, yeah I tell you why. I tell you why. See, because some arbitrage funds have a one-month lock-in. Some don't have a lock-in. Uh, also, in arbitrage funds, you get your money back after three working days. In a liquid fund, you get money in t, t plus one working day. So hmm. let's say both the funds have earned three percent return per annum uh, on an annualized basis. But a liquid fund does not have any gap. Uh, the day you redeem, the next day you get money. In arbitrage, when you get money after three days, so those three days, your money is not earning anything. So while you have uh, stayed invested for 33 days, but you're getting returns only for 30 days. So three days is your uh, zero returns. So three divided by 30 is effectively for 10% of the tenor. You you didn't earn money. So effective returns will come down. Now the moment you extend your horizon to 90 days, which is three months, then that leakage of three days is three divided by 90, uh, which is not 10%, but only 3%. So it optimizes your returns better. Number one. Number two, the spreads have some amount of variability also because of uh, you know some other concepts like the volatility in the equity market and stuff like that. So there could be months where instead of three and a half, you may earn two and a half. And in the next month, you will earn four and a half. And over three months, it will again normalize to three and a half again. But some minor, fl- so it has more fluctuation than the liquid fund. So anything which has more fluctuation, the solution to heal that fluctuation is time. The moment you extend time, the fluctuations normalize, and that's why I said three months. You can still invest for one month and take the money out after one month, and if you're lucky in that month, you would get similar returns than liquid fund. But to be on the safer side, three months is a more uh, ideal time, horizon.
0: Uh, Kaiser, your your take on this? so this is this is by far the the biggest question we get these days. Is like you know, should I park my money in arbitrage fund?
1: Uh, See, Gaurav, I'm not a huge fan of arbitrage funds, okay, to be very honest. I like simple instruments uh, when you are, uh, I mean, arbitrage funds, of course, you're playing on the uh, uh, so-called anomaly that, you know, an equity instrument is being taxed like a fixed income instrument. But uh, uh, so that apart, I mean, uh, arbitrage funds have been volatile in the past. Okay, if you're, again, if you're planning for a short-term goal, unless and until you have an advisor who understands, Uh, the markets well who understands your entry and exit points okay and uh, if you are aware of the risk that uh, comes with investing in the market that uh, or a fund product that is depending on the market volatility I would advise that uh, uh, maybe you park a minimal corpus in arbitrage funds if you must but focus more on simple products focus more on um, the products like a liquid fund or even a low duration fund from a good fund house. Of a good portfolio, and um, a majority of it in bank fixed deposits. Again, if you know your um, your goal cannot be compromised at all, your time uh, horizon that you have in your mind is very very fixed. But otherwise, arbitrage funds have delivered returns. I'm not saying that it has not delivered returns in the past, but it has shown volatility.
0: How, how do you I mean, just ask, How do you manage your short term uh, savings and your short like how how do you plan it for yourself?
1: For me, I, uh, I, I, I mean, I've been investing in mutual funds ever since I started working because that's uh, one instrument that I uh, know quite much as compared to, let's say, other instruments because I've been writing on mutual funds. So I don't mind investing my money at all, uh, you know, in liquid funds, in low duration funds. I invest in uh, these funds to plan my uh, short term goals. Um, I uh, used to invest in bank fixed deposits but because I understand mutual funds I'm more comfortable with mutual funds but I know then I, I mean I, that's the risk that I'm aware of the risk that I'm taking when I invest in a fund so I am aware of the fact that I need to just uh, I mean I can't just select a liquid fund with my eyes shut I have to open up the portfolios understand um, you know what the fund managers are thinking is fund houses I know some which fund houses come with a good record and which fund houses may not come with a long term good track record so i know how to filter my funds so i am definitely a big fan of uh, putting money in liquid funds even in low duration funds uh, interesting
0: uh, points for low duration funds what would you
1: look at credit quality is very important i think overall Textures, fund, no, right, I mean you fund. even if you're
0: planning to keep it for six to nine months the portfolio will be vastly different or can be potentially vastly different right i mean
1: so six to nine months is again when i say short term short term could be anything less than three years okay when i know that i don't want my capital to be compromised longer is
0: even finer. we say it's for hmm. two years uh hmm. for a for a ultra short term fund the portfolio will be vastly different than what you bought because the papers are continuously expir not expired the, the, the papers are continuously maturing and then they have that reinvestment risk. So over even if the
1: cool. even if the portfolio changes, even if the portfolio changes, if you if you have a reading, if you have the pulse on the fund house, if you have the pulse on the fund management, okay, right. um, uh, And uh, the fund has to be of also of a decent size because I don't want a very small size fund. Also, uh, I want a significantly large size fund. If I'm especially looking at debt funds, with equity funds, it's the opposite. I mean, the smaller the better because they will have room to sort of grow. Uh, and move in and out of equities, but for debt funds, I'm comfortable with uh, slightly larger schemes. But um, uh, I think overall, without uh, trying to sort of second guess what the fund manager is going to do, because that's the fund manager's job. You have to um, uh, give some uh, a lot of freedom to the fund manager to decide. Uh, you know what, what securities they want to buy what is their interest rate calls but over a period of time I think if you have a reading on the fund house if you have the uh, if the fund house's philosophy is good and has demonstrated its track record across the debt fund space not just one or two schemes here and there okay uh, more or less than I am okay with that uh, fund house I mean you have obviously having invested in funds for such a long time one has about 10-12 watt fund houses around which one would like to um stick around with for one's own investments but um, that comes around that comes with experience that comes with uh some kind of comfort that you have built with the fund house obviously again you have to be aware of the fact that you can go wrong in your scheme selection also uh, depending mm-hmm. on your market so that, I, no matter I, how I, long you win the, the the you know,
0: in markets you have to be always open to uh an an outsized event or an no yeah. probably right i mean ft had built a lot of comfort with a lot of people right? and it's it's a it's a and parcel, right i mean if it uh, nothing had happened then it would have continued right it just so right. happened that a couple of credits did get hit um in a, in a in a way that uh actually no one wanted but but that's how i think uh i think markets are so um I, sometimes um, that unpredictability always plays in your mind um we uh I do tend to agree that uh, doing it year in and year out builds comfort. Um, I think more than, and at least that's the way uh, we think, is more than building comfort with the fund house or the fund manager, it actually builds comfort with the product itself, with how the markets function. I think people who have been in the markets longer are more forgiving of for volatility than people who are in the markets time. It's just because it may not ha- have happened to me, right? Maybe. I was not in, invested in a particular fund or in a particular scheme, but I, because I am invested, I'm hearing those stories. I'm getting sensitized to the fact that this can happen.
1: And you have to also be a little bit open to the, uh, you know, market reality, what's going on. I mean, Templeton did not happen uh, on the day that ILFS happened or, uh, you know, during that time. It was, it it happened over a period and of time. I mean, there were there were signs on the wall that you need to sort of be a little bit more judicious about your investments with risky assets. And a lot of investors actually had got out, but a lot of investors stayed in because, uh, you know, some element of um, uh, complacency, some element of greed or some element of ignorance or some element of other, uh, whatever other reasons you continue to stay invested, despite signs on the wall that, you know, the economy is weakening and the debt um, uh, uh, space has been crumbling all around you in different proportions, not in a big proportion, but you had heard of defaults happening all throughout 2019, starting from 2018 with different groups, different So you knew what was happening. Um, so you also need to be a little bit, um, so that comes with debt investments. I mean, uh, in a bank fixed deposit, again, you can uh, fill it, shut it and forget it right? Uh, If it's a reasonably strong bank. But in mutual funds, you have to be a little bit uh, watchful. You need to keep a track of your investments. I mean, I've made money in Templeton debt funds, right? But uh, that was in another day and another age. But uh, I
0: uh, I was in 2008, I was trading in New York, right? So I mean, even with banks, right? I mean, uh, Lehman was a very strong bank. Sixth or seventh largest bank in the US, not a joke. Wall Street Powerhouse, their, their head office was, was two buildings away, right? I, I used to be at Morgan Stanley there. Um, and you would never think. No one would mm-hmm. have. And Bear Stearns, okay. Bear Stearns, you know, there, there was enough chatter that, okay, if, even if something happens to Bear Stearns, probably there will be no rescue. With Lehman, I think, uh, till the last moment, people couldn't believe that there was actually uh, no rescue. Right? So, um, I, I, I mean, my, the, the larger point is, right, I mean, um, there's always a first time for anything to happen. <laughs> uh, uh, to your point, I 100% agree. Uh, larger banks are stronger. They have uh, better processes. They're you know, too big to scale. A lot of other things have to do apply to them. But um, I, 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 uh, uh, some of these risks, at least in my mind, are too hard to measure. So I think comfort, I to- what you uh, said earlier, Kaiza, about comfort with an instrument is probably the strongest gut feel <laughs> or something to go with. Sorry, Kartham.
2: I just wanted to add to this dimension and discussion, and uh, you know, I want to bring a very important point. It uh, may be coming at the cost of uh, some complexity, but some of these, uh, you know, uh, easy narratives are uh, very flawed. And I have learned it over time now. And you gave this example of the largest banks of the world failing. Uh, look at India. So I I want to make this hypothesis or or rather convey that size has got nothing to do with the outcome. Size, whether small or big, has got nothing to do with the outcome. It is the, the mindset of the operating team uh, which is running the business and their respect for risk and, and and some bit of luck as well sometimes you know good teams also go wrong uh, sometimes bad things uh, bad teams get good luck also in their favor but look at every uh, see mutual fund is nothing but a vehicle uh, so uh, if a mutual fund defaults uh, it is because the underlying is defaulting now where is the mutual fund investing it is investing in bank deposits uh, NBFC deposits or bonds or company deposits or bonds. So, if a mutual fund is defaulting, it's not because it is defaulting. It is because the underlying instruments are defaulting. And if an investor is not in the mutual fund, he is going to be in the underlying instruments. So, the default risk for the market risk is always there. Mutual fund is just a vehicle, number one. Number two, you look at the history of India. The credit risk has not come from small names. A 200 crore company has not defaulted in the last five years. The largest ILNF has defaulted. The largest B1 housing defaulted. So almost the second largest housing company, you know, came under risk. The largest public sector banks have more NPAs than a city union bank, which is a small bank uh, for the last hundred years. So some of these uh, uh, easy simplification, and I see a lot of this in our own industry and we ourselves have this mindset that size is equal to safe. I want to challenge that hypothesis that sometimes the quest for size initiates the race for risk because size comes with also returns because what does the lay investor look? Today, the lay investor will come on the website, on my website also, and he'll say, where is the best return? And he'll go and invest in that. So, there is an incentive for me to generate higher return. To generate higher return, I have to take higher risk. So, uh, the only point I want to make is, uh, size is not a dimension of safety. Large funds can also be risky. Small funds can also be risky. So, so that's the only hypothesis I want to, you know. I think we We would largely, uh,
0: I don't know about Kailash, but we would largely agree with this. I think in banking, though, um, uh, there is enough precedence that there are systemic banks and non-systemic banks. So, uh, I'm not saying all large banks are the same, but uh, certain banks who are perceived to have systemic systemic risk. Um, the, the probability that they will get bailed out is higher. Never one, to your point. It's, it's never one, but at least it can be very reasonably said that the probability that they will be bailed out is higher versus a, um, a smaller or a mid sized bank. And that's got nothing to do with, I think, uh, you know, it, it, it's not performance or team related or even, you know, risk devoted. It's just that, um, you know, if, if, a, if a central bank thinks that, hey, you know, if this bank going under is going to get a bank run on the entire system. I might as well just save it, and 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 that's kind of. I mean, I don't think I don't. I, you, you should not invest thinking that such puts exist. That, that yeah. would be very. Yeah, you uh, don't take that chance on that. Whole you don't take uh,
1: that
0: chance. Your, your, your investment should not be based on an RBI put because then it's like almost like okay, what if they don't come through?
2: Uh, but yeah, uh, uh, the risk is there everywhere.
1: One of the things, one of the things about size, one of the things that you should see, not the only thing, that's what it's not the be all end all. uh, uh, It's not so simple as just seeing the size. I mean, when I said that size
0: uh, in
1: in equity funds, for instance, the smaller, the better, typically, typically I'm not saying uh, again, I'm not uh, uh, generalizing generalizing it. But uh, in, in fixed income, uh, it is, if I have to invest my own money, I would, uh, I would start by looking at funds above a certain threshold, not necessarily the biggest fund of all, but above a certain threshold. Size does give me some bit of comfort in debt funds. In equity funds, I'm still I'm okay with a 50 or a 100 crore fund also. Again, in, I, would, I would use a size uh, as a different parameter in a bank. You know, When I say uh, in an equity fund, in a debt fund, size would be different.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. I, I, I think uh, we have taken a bit more of your time than we planned to. So it was a fantastic discussion. I think we went through a, a lot of different aspects of uh, risk and reward. And uh, it was unique because we covered a lot uh, we, we, uh, from bank risk all the way to you know, arbitrage funds and so on and so forth. Um, thanks so much, Calvin. Uh, thanks so much, Khazad, for uh, for speaking with us today.